Hello. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I talk about music. I talk about films. This is a safe space, an inclusive space. But sometimes we got to talk about some wrongs that need to be written. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame, however you want to call it. I'm happy that hip hop is getting in there. You got NWA, you've got Tupac. You've got the Beastie Boys, you got LL Cool J, you got Jay-Z, but, oh, and you got the Notorious B.I.G. We're Snoop and Dr. Dre. Because you do know that Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre were around even before Eminem. If it wasn't for Dr. Dre, Eminem wouldn't be here. Dr. Dre was the one who signed. He convinced Jimmy Iovine and and them to sign Eminem. And then he produced him. And this wouldn't all be possible without Dr. Dre's The Chronic, which was released 30 years ago. This would also wouldn't be possible without Dr. Dre's Man MC, which was Snoop Doggy Dog, who put out Doggy Style in 1993, 29 years ago. So while I'm happy... The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like, hey, yeah, we, we're, we're going to nominate Eminem. Oh, but what about Snoop Dogg? Hmm? What about Snoop Dogg? What about Too Short? What about um, E-40? I, I feel that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame could be scared of, of West Coast rap. I mean, yeah, Tupac's in there. Tupac, though, was born in New York, but Tupac, you know... His main um, albums were centered in the West Coast. Okay. Jay-Z is East Coast. NWA is West Coast. What about Ice Cube? Ice Cube's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's in there for NWA. But then, see, this is how I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like, well, we already put them in there. Like with Ozzy... They've never nominated him for his solo work, and it's and it's forty years old, but he's in there for Black Sabbath. The same could be said of Iggy Pop. He's in there for the Stooges, but Iggy Pop has a long, a forty-something solo career that outdates or pre, you know, that uh, outlasted the Stooges. <sighs> I mean, yeah. It's 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 weird. It, many people, you know, who wants to be in an institution, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is an institution. The nominating committee is interesting. It used to be, you know, I mean, now it's a little more diverse. Questlove and Tom Morello and um, who else is on the committee? Because many of those who originally were on the committee are either, are either dead or left. Yeah. So I'd like to see Snoop Dogg go in there and Dr. Dre. And some decades from now, Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar, uh, Eminem, really, this is Whitney Houston shit right there. Because you know how Mariah said Whitney's the voice? Everyone says Whitney's the voice. But when another artist of your era says that, it means a lot. And Eminem saying that Kendrick Lamar is one of the greatest, 
he he's not saying, oh, I'm the greatest. He's saying, no, that's Kendrick Lamar. Because Eminem could turn the tables in his Slim Shady style and say, no, I'm the greatest. But he knows Kendrick Lamar is the greatest. Both him and Dre worked with Kendrick Lamar. So that says something right there. Not Drake, not Jay-Z, not Yee or Kanye or whatever. Kendrick Lamar. And the halftime show is this Sunday. I am, I'm not excited about football, but when it's a halftime show of artists that I grew up watching, and I missed the beat today, so I'm going to backtrack and see if Ari Melber talked about it, because this is, this is a moment. This is, even Snoop Dogg said, you know, halftime show didn't want hip hop. You've got Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and Eminem. What a stage that is going to be. Hip-hop. You got Mary J. Blige, queen of hip-hop soul. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar. So this is exciting. Um, aside from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snub. There's, you know, when it comes to awards... Um... Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's a moment. And sometimes I, 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 I watched an interview that Diana Ross did with David Frost in the 70s when they were doing the Motown 40. And Diana Ross said when she didn't win for Lady Slings the Blues, she said, which was 50 years ago, she says, I don't do things for awards. That's not why I do things. But she says it, it did hurt her that she didn't win because she would have been the first. Not Halle Berry. While it's great that Halle Berry won, wouldn't it have been better if Halle Berry was like the one of many? Or not just Diana Ross. What if Dorothy Dandridge was the first? Or Lena Horne or Ethel Waters. Lena Horne was never nominated for an Academy Award. So if you want to talk about a snub right there, a lot of people weren't. A lot of people. Christopher Lee wasn't. I mean, what is that? Is that because he's British? Or come on, come on, let's get real here. Let's get real. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that's in the rock and roll. Uh, wait, let me check. Is um, what's that band or that guy that beat out Metallica for the Grammy? Remember that? Is he in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Metallica are. <laughs> That, that's that's sweet revenge right there that Metallica is in the Hall of Fame and others are not. Uh, Megadeth isn't in there. Anthrax. I mean, come on. See, this is why I love all all music and it should just be genreless. And people tend to, you know, Run DMC did a video where the guy says, "You guys don't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame." Well, they're in there. <laughs> they're in there. It, it's music. Even LL Cool J emphasized that when he was inducted in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. So, hip hop is 40 years old. And we got to give respect. Music, music is such a fun thing. Music and film, because they just go together like peanut butter and jelly, you know? 
I used to not like jelly, but now I like it because it adds a little bit of a sweetness to it. Um, so yeah, uh, if I'm, I'm going to try to hashtag this for Tom Morello because Tom Morello is part of the rock and roll hall of fame committee and say, Hey, can you consider Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre? And, and Morello knows what I'm talking about because Mare- Tom Morello's guitar playing was similar to the bomb squad and the scratching in Public Enemy. Because what Tom Morello was doing with his guitar, he wasn't just playing, um, you know, uh, riffs. He was, he was doing what the DJ does for hip-hop. There is a beautiful hip-hop element to Rage Against the Machine. And then it just becomes Rage Against the Machine. And Rage Against the Machine just needs to get in. I still have my ticket for the tour. I'm not going to have it reimbursed because I'm going to patiently wait for this tour. I'm supposed to see them in Oakland. I had a chance to get reimbursed last year and I thought, no, because I've never seen them. This is my moment to see Rage Against the Machine. These are these are important moments musically. And with Rage Against the Machine, who you know who did a lot of their videos was Michael Moore. I am such a fan of Michael Moore because he just provokes. Kind of in the way that Paul Mooney provoked. <laughs> That's in order for us to have change, we have to provoke. It's, it's essential. I was at a bookstore today in Amador County in Jackson and in California. And, and they had this section for the counterculture. And they had like gay and lesbian books. And then they had like hippie books. And I thought, that's so wrong. Because it, it and first of all, they had William S. Burroughs who wrote sci-fi in counterculture. And then when I went to go look at the, they had books on esoteric stuff and the guy, and it says stuff I don't understand. I thought how, you know what? So when it comes to labels, fuck your labels. Someone was asking me, I was wearing a tool jacket one time and they said, what kind of music do they do? I said, it's hard to say. I mean, it's metal, but it's progressive, but then... But then it's freeform, and then you have the Fibiachi sequence, and and he said, "Yeah, you have a point." Because I don't want to categorize them. I mean, really good music shouldn't be categorized, because you know if we're gonna categorize, you got like BB King and Buddy Guy playing riffs. Those are hard rock riffs, but they're but it's considered blues. So think about that. And oh, the injustices of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because at the end of the day, it's just an institution. Yeah. <laughs> just as the Academy Awards are an institution. But with the Academy Awards, well, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does something similar. They do... They do um, give awards to sidemen, people who aren't in groups, but like 
um, people who were behind the scenes, you know, whether it was those playing in Motown or those playing with the Beach Boys or the gentleman who played with Elvis or the E Street Band. So there's that. And like the Academy Awards I mentioned, when they give it to your, to an editor, that's important. Because you don't have a, a movie without an editor. You just have a mess. Or the sound mixer or the gaps or the grips and the cinematographer. You don't want to have that. So it's essential. As always, unpleasant dreams. Often I'm thinking maybe I should do this in a more professional setting. But then I think of the musicians that I like who don't do it professionally. They, they do it in kind of a, a do-yourself, do-it-yourself ethos like the Breeders and Nirvana and Tool. They, do it, they, they don't do it for the masses. They do it for themselves. Now, tonight, I'm going to just talk about a man who really was the true leader of The Doors. People often associate lead singers as the front men. Yes. But if you look at a band like The Doors, there was four of them. And the one who really understood what Jim Morrison wanted to do sonically, and then some, was Raymond Daniel Manzarek, who was born today in 1939, died May 20th, 2013. I love the doors i've talked about the doors many times on this podcast i grew up listening to the beatles the rolling stones the monkeys but and i've told people this you recognize your power as a true individual when you listen to the doors the doors is dark light mist it's mystic there's so many things going on whether it's the end and the Oedipus complex and the fact that they use that for the beginning of Apocalypse Now, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola went on to purchase the entire Doors catalog and only chose one song to put in the film. The Doors, it's really Morrison and Manzarek. They met, they were in the UCLA film program. They ended up making films for The Doors. And then they got together with Robbie Krieger and John Densmore. That's why, uh, yeah, front men, it's interesting. Mick, uh, certain front men really can't do solo albums. Isn't that right, Mick? If you're the Beatles, that's a different story. Because they were four equal parts. Kind of like you too. Bono has, hasn't ever done a solo album. Because he's aware that sound that U2 has is really a part of all four of them. Ray did these beautiful organ solos. For the Doors. The Doors have a sound that is unmatched. It was theatrics. It was blues. It was R&B. 
it was rock. And then you've got the flamenco guitar influence of Robbie Krieger, as well as the bossa nova beat of John Densmore. But Ray Manzarek, uh, I, if you've ever YouTube Ray Manzarek, Crystal Ship, and it's him playing the piano, just instrumental, to Crystal Ship. I always loved just hearing him talk in interviews because he was so in tune with the music, the mysticism of what music could truly do. He said, you know, they didn't make music for eternity. They made it for that moment that you're alive in planet Earth. And I love that. But Ray is also aware that the sound of the doors is eternal. Here we are 55 years later talking about the doors. They were on that trajectory, but they weren't flower power. They were in the, in the midst of it. But remember the, the lyrics. I mean, even, even Ray Manzarek said of that, that song, The End, Lost in a Roman wilderness of pain, and all the children are insane, waiting for the summer rain. What a way to describe the love generation. And he was right. And it wasn't that the doors weren't against hippies. It's just they saw, they saw another doorway. The hippies were all about peace and love. But the doors were like, no. It's about being, going out of yourself internally. The hippies wanted to stay in their safe, warm space. And, and explore hallucinogenics, yes. But the doors were like, if the doors of perception were cleansed, Everything would appear to man as it is infinite. And there is a bold darkness to the sound of the doors. The doors are one of the very few bands. Today, many bands borrow from the imagery, the esoteric iconography of the doors. The Doors didn't just sing about darkness. They were about it. They were truly about it. They had a sense of gravitational pull. These songs, I mean, and you think of it. In the studio, they had a bass player. Because you had to have that, that bottom for the song to glide. But on stage... It was Ray Manzarek. Ray Manzarek's playing the organ, and then he's playing the bass part of the organ. So he is a virtuoso in that aspect. And then after the death of Jim Morrison, it was Ray who furthered the legend and the mythology of the Doors. Whenever someone wanted to talk about the Doors, it was Ray who would talk about it. Some would accuse him of furthering the mythology that is the Doors. Their sound, their influence, what went on, the arrests. But at the heart of it is the music. It's the music that we all gravitate towards. 
I mean, I, I love that video where he's just playing and he's jiving and Jim's got that microphone. And at any time Jim Morrison grabbed that microphone, he looked like he was going to rip it apart. And it was just animalistic. It was this energy that the doors had. They were fully aware of what they were doing sonically. They were doing something that other bands of that era were not doing. There was almost an intimacy to it. Even when they played stadiums. And that's when it got crazy. Whenever they would do an anniversary of The Doors, it was always Ray. Now it is John and Robbie who are left. They did a very poignant interview with Dan Rather of the big interview. And it, and, it, and it felt sad in a way because Ray is no longer there. Jim hasn't, Jim's been gone for longer than he's been alive. He lived to be 27, but he's been gone over 51 years. And that's where, you know, I, I think today, okay, let's see, 1939, uh, huh. Ray Manzarek would be 83 years old. He died of leukemia in 2013. Just to hear him talk about the doors and that love that they had for one another. Yes. Yes, at times they were like, oh my God, what is Jim doing? But there was a method to the madness. That music was able to let Jim glide, but at the same time, it helped him come back down to earth. You know, not to touch the earth right there. (laughs) Ah. I could talk about the doors all day. I could talk about the genius of Ray Manzarek. The piano playing. I mean, those those were chords. Usually in a rock band of that era, yeah, it was about the guitarist. It was about the bass player and the drummer. In this aspect, it was all four of them. And this magical music. <laughs> I, I don't I don't use that word loosely magical I'm watching the sun go down right now and I'm thinking about the mystics of the doors some of their songs you know end of the night which is a great song kind of an eerie haunting presence about it break on through to the other side and of course light my fire light my fire was written by Robbie Krieger and that organ solo done so brilliantly by Ray Manzarek If you get a chance after this podcast, Google or look for a book. Go to the bookstore. I went to this really great bookstore in Amador County. It's a a little town called Jackson. They have a a Native American casino. But I went to their old um, historic district and they have this bookstore. And I was looking through all these old books. And the only thing that bothered me was like they had the gay and lesbian books in counterculture and I'm thinking that's not counterculture it should be its own section a more broad section and then they had the books of esoteric stuff in a, and the, the, the bookstore put things that I don't understand and I thought how how weird and that's the doors right there 
the esoteric aspects of mysticism and the light and dark. Rayman Zarek said, you can't have a full life unless you embrace both the light and the dark. You know, hippies of that era were running from the darkness. Yes, they were embracing the hedonism, but the hedonism was a gray area of the potent darkness. And so... That's why the doors stood alone. The doors, that was not flower power. You know, the Beatles are saying, all you need is love. And the doors are like, light my fire, honey. Yeah, it's a different kind of love. (sighs) The doors are my band. I I love all bands. I love, Tool is one of my favorites. But the band that really helped me to understand this weird mysticism that we live in, this individuality, Being an individual, being eccentric, the Doors music is made for that. There's something beautiful about those tones. And then there's a really great, great classic albums, DVD and digital release of the surviving Doors of that time. Talking about their, their debut album. Their debut album in 1967... Really, if, if you, that whole album, there's so many great songs. I don't even say hits. It, the whole album, that, that was the thing about The Doors. That was an album format band. Yeah, they had quote unquote hits. But you could tell that whole album was meant to guide you. You put on the record, it blew your mind from the beginning of break on through to the other side. You know that's not an accident how they ended up doing the listing and the the f- format of that album. Starts with break on through to the other side. You have broken through to the other side and then it ends with the end and the darkness. The light and dark in between spaces. Lost in a Roman wilderness of pain and all the children are insane waiting for the summer rain. And in between, you have these bizarre, oh God, I I can't even say bizarre, these magical, colorful songs, Soul Kitchen, Backdoor Man, which is a cover, Light My Fire, I Looked At You, Crystal Ship, (sighs) Take It As It Comes, End of the Night. There is, uh, and, and then the organ, those solos. Ray was all about those solos. And they are, in my mind's eye, rock royalty. Because they sit above the fray of everything else that was happening at that time. To break on through to the other side. And so I proudly proclaim my allegiance to the doors wherever they are Jim and Ray John and Robbie but today today we celebrate Ray Manzarek Ray Manzarek so important as a filmmaker as a man as an individual he was all about being an individual You had to be an individual to encapsulate everything that was being thrown at you as you create this music. 
And I'm not, I'm not just talking about standards. But going outside of the ordinary. Going outside of your own senses. Oh my goodness. That's, that's the doors in a nutshell. So, yes. When we talk about the doors, everyone, oh my God. more. And I love Jim Morrison. And I love Robbie Krieger. And John Densmore. But it's not always about the front man. It's about the musicianship. And Jim wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the guidance and the musical canon that was and is Raymond Daniel Manzarek. And so I salute Ray Manzarek today on his birthday, what would have been his 83rd birthday. But he's in the ether. He's, he's soaking up the music as, as we play that music. I always feel that those who are beyond this realm... They're listening. They know that we love them. They know that music is ever-present in our consciousness. So, Ray Manzarek, happy birthday. The Dr. Zeus Film Podcast is all about music and film. And that's what the doors were about. The doors were about the music, the mysticism, the sound, and the energy. The visual aspects of the doors. They were making videos along with the Beatles in the 1960s and they furthered it and in the 1990s Oliver Stone does that movie about the doors the surviving doors are like what? so they decide to put together with director uh, Ron oh god his name escapes me right now the 2010 Doors of Perception documentary narrated by Johnny Depp It is a beautiful look into the world of the Doors. This band that defied their era that they lived in. They they released themselves from the trappings of your singer-songwriter 1960s counterculture. Oh my goodness. So, Ray Manzarek, wherever you are, thank you. Thank you for furthering the mysticism and the legend and the mythology of the doors. As always, unpleasant dreams.